Well, welcome to The Exchange Online. Uh, this week is our seventh week online. Uh, we've been going on for a while, but I'm excited that you are still uh, joining us online. And let me just say this. I, I want to start off today a little bit different. I want to start off in prayer because I've heard of so much going on, whether it be job loss or I, I've heard of a couple people who have lost family members. I just want to start off in prayer right now. God, I just thank you for who you are, the fact that you are God and we know that, the fact that if we put our faith in you, it is better than anything else. God, I pray right now for many things. I pray for peace in this time. I pray for those that have lost family members, those that have lost jobs. God, I pray that you bring peace to them right now. God, I pray for clarity as we figure out what's next. God, I pray for our government, for those ahead of us as they decide what steps to take uh, while this virus is taking place. God, I just pray right now, though, that you would bring us together. God, I pray that you bring us a word and understanding of what you want us to do now, where you want us to be. And God, I pray for those that are hurting. Uh, God, I pray that you would bring others around them. God, I pray that they wouldn't run away after this. God, I pray that they wouldn't stay alone. I pray that they would reach out, find their group, find their small group, and stay connected. God, we know that there's something happening here. We know that you can turn whatever it is that's going wrong right now in our lives for good as long as we stay close to you. And God, I pray that you would do that for us now. God, we thank you once again that you are the one in charge. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, amen. And I gotta tell you guys, this series on Acts, uh, we're in our sixth week and the entire idea, if you haven't figured it out already, is that it's all about Jesus. It's all about what he did. It's the fact that he died. It's the fact that he rose again. The fact that he showed himself to over 500 people. And the fact that he said, hey, here's the deal. I'm sending someone to help you, which is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit shows up. All of a sudden, the disciples are able to do incredible things. They're able to speak in different languages. Uh, They are able to break through barriers to reach people for Christ. We see the church go from 120 people to 3,120 people all through the power of the Holy Spirit, because what Jesus wants us to understand is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to do the things that only he could do. And and this week, we're going to be in chapter three, and we're going to kind of go through all of chapter three at once. So uh, I just want to catch you up. Basically, Peter in this moment is going to the temple. He's going at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, and he's going just to pray. It's a normal thing. He didn't expect anything miraculous to happen at this point. He is just going to the temple. On his way to the temple, he sees a man at the gates who has been, it says in the Bible, he's been lame from birth. Basically, he hasn't been able to walk or move from birth. This is a guy who is reliant on the church to live. He has people in his family or friends that drop him off every day and he begs for money and hopefully that money is enough for him to continue on with his life. It's a pretty sad existence to sit in a place. I can't imagine what it would feel like every single day to have to beg in order to live, but that's where this man is. Peter and some of the other disciples go by. Some of the other apostles walk by. The man asks for money. Peter goes, hey, would you rather me heal you? Of course, the man says yes. And so Peter, in that moment, heals the lame man. He heals the man that hasn't walked since birth. He heals the man that everyone in this city knows that has been at that gate this entire time. The man immediately, he jumps up. He jumps up and is able to walk. And as he is leaning on Peter, as he's leaning on the other apostles there to kind of make sure this all is real, everyone starts to come around. 
Everyone is astounded. Everybody's going, wait a second. We saw Jesus do miracles, but this is something new. This is something different. And Peter in this moment has to make a choice. He has to make a choice on what he's going to do, what he's going to say, and what is going to happen next. So that's where we're going to focus on today is what Peter says afterwards. You see, Peter had an incredible moment. Incredible moment where God used him to do a miracle. What he does next is determine whether or not God gets to use that miracle or he doesn't. So we look at Acts 3, verses 12 to 16, which is going to be our main focus for today. It says this, says, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. What did he do? He preached. It says, people of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us, though we have made this man walk by our own power or godliness? It says, for is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors, who has brought glory to the servant, Jesus, by doing this. He goes, it's about who? Jesus. This is the same Jesus, though, that, whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate. Despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected him killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact through faith in the name of Jesus, through faith in Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. What happens? A man is healed. A crowd gathers. Peter preaches the gospel. This happens many different ways. A miraculous sign. God does a miracle. People come around. We get the choice of whether or not to share the gospel. What does Peter do? He starts right off the bat sharing the gospel, reminding everybody who this is about. Peter could have done many things in this moment. He could have taken the accolades. Peter could have just walked away. And what would have happened? Peter, people would have been talking about Peter, not Jesus, right? People would have been talking about how great Peter was. They actually, maybe some of them may have thought, oh, maybe we should worship Peter. Maybe he is somebody special. But what did Peter do? He goes, no, this moment I am going to give a gospel message. I'm not just going to give a gospel message, but I'm going to give a gospel message that calls people out. We saw him do this earlier where he goes, hey, guys, I just wanted you to know Jesus is the one that did this and you killed him. You killed him because these were the people that did. These were the people that one day were laying palm fronds in front of Jesus, worshiping him. Then three days later, were calling for his death. These were the people that when Pilate said, no, I don't see anything wrong with this. We're going flee, free Barabbas, free the murderer, kill Jesus. Paul's going, hey, here's the deal, guys. It's all about Jesus. Faith in Jesus is what caused this man to walk. Faith in Jesus is what matters. See, Peter wanted them to understand what the object of their faith should be. It's not that their faith should just be in faith. It's not that their faith should be in Peter and any of the other apostles. It's that their faith should be in Jesus. See, here's what he wanted us to understand. Jesus is the object of our faith. Jesus is the object of their faith because, guys, i got to be honest with you. When you look at religions, there's a lot of different objects of faith. And many times it's about having faith in almost just faith. All religion starts with the same issue. There's a problem. 
either I'm not enlightened or I don't know enough or I'm trying to seek heaven and then there's a solution. I need to do these things in order to reach it. When you look at Hinduism, Buddhism, all these religions, it's about what I can do. I need to become smarter. I need to change. I need to become more enlightened. I need to take these steps, pray this many times, learn these verses. And in that, what happens? I become enlightened or I get to where I need to go. Here's the problem. In all of those things, what is the true object of our faith? It's not in a person, it's in ourself. See, I think for most of us, even those that are outside of any sort of religion, where does our faith lie? It lies in ourselves. I think that's why many people are, go to those religions because it's all up to you. I can control it. I do these things, therefore I know I'm good. I follow these ways, therefore I know I'm good. I do the right things, therefore I think I am good. The problem is we know this. We can't save ourselves, can we? We know this, and when we look deep down, we know this. We know we can't be the one that saves ourselves, but people go, oh, but they have incredible faith. But help me, (laughs) I want to help you understand, just because you have faith in something doesn't mean it can save you. It doesn't mean it can save you. If I go out in the boat in the middle of the ocean, I jump off and start swimming around. The waves get choppy, things get crazy. All of a sudden, I get to a point where I am exhausted and I am about to drown. I'm like, I am about to drown. I need something to save me. I absolutely believe the anchor can save me. You guys, that sounds crazy. Just just listen to me. I, I believe the anchor can save me. I wholeheartedly believe it. So I yell at the captain of the boat or whoever is in there. I'm like, throw me the anchor. They're like, why? Because I know the anchor can save me. And they throw me the anchor and I grab the anchor, wholeheartedly believing that the anchor can save me. Will the anchor save me just because I have faith in it? No. What is it going to do? It's going to take me to the bottom. Look, understand this exchange. This is what's so different about Christianity. See, in Christianity, it's not our faith that saves us. It's the object of our faith. See, your faith doesn't save you. The object of your faith does. And in Christianity, the object of our faith is not ourselves. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And I hear this, but I know someone that believes this or man, they really believe something wholeheartedly and they're even nicer than some Christians that I know. Look, it doesn't matter how nice I ask for the anchor. It doesn't matter how good of a person I am. It doesn't matter how much faith I have in the anchor. The object of my faith is wrong. I am not going to be saved. See, we need to understand this. In our understanding of this, should mean we want to tell more and more people about Jesus because here's the truth. Here's the truth. The world is looking for a Messiah, right? The world is looking for a savior. Everyone is looking for a savior. Non-Christians, people who are not religious at all are looking for a savior. Don't believe me? Wait till November. You see, we don't say we're looking for a savior. We say we're electing one. Right? Why else would people be so angry and so mad and so virile in what they say if they didn't believe the person they were electing was someone who could save them from their situation? Bring them a job, bring them support, bring them life, save their country, whatever it may be. See, we believe this, and so many times I've said this. I think the number one religion right now in the United States is not Christianity, it's politics. Because we've given up on God saving the world and we've looked to a man to do it or a party to do it. 
You see it in the business world. When a business is failing, what do they do? They bring in a new CEO. They pay him millions more than your average person. Why? Because he is seen as the savior. We see it in sports too, right? I mean, come on, Tampa Bay. We have it happening right in front of us right now. You know, we just need that one player. We got Tom Brady. Where's Tom Brady? I mean, you've seen it. You've seen his face literally on like angels and stuff like that. People are looking at Tom Brady as the savior of Tampa Bay. Problem is Jesus was about 33 when he was the savior. Tom Brady's about 10 years older than that. But maybe, right? And then we just had the NFL draft. You had the Cincinnati Bengals take Joe Burrow. What do they see him as? He's a 21-year-old kid. And they're like, hey, you're going to save our franchise, You're going to save our franchise. Why? Because we're looking for saviors. We want a savior. You see it in everything. I mean, think about superhero movies. I mean, depending on the Superman that you watch, but basically I've seen Supermans that are basically this idea. There's, there is, you know, he is born in this upper place. He is sent down through miraculous events to earth. He is raised by two poor people. He stays single. He doesn't do any miracles till about the age of 30. Then he does these miraculous things. And in the end, like in Man of Steel, what happens? He dies saving the earth. And then in the next one, what happens? He raises from the dead. And you look at it and you're going like, come on. Really? That's just Jesus all over again. Guys, the world is looking for a savior. It's why we keep making up superhero movies. It's why we continue to look for things to believe in from politics to a person. We know this. The world is looking for a savior. And as Christians, knowing this, knowing this, it should make us more urgent and more courageous in what we do in our faith. And you're sitting there going, I don't have a courageous faith. I'm not good at standing up for it. I don't want to mix up my words. I don't want to say the wrong thing. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at what we can learn from Peter's faith. What can we learn from Peter's faith? And here's the first thing, and this is something we talked about last week. Our faith is personal, not private. Our faith is personal, but it is not private. It's not supposed to stay in a corner. Peter stands up in front of a large group of people, the same group of people that just killed Jesus and tells them about Jesus and tells them that they killed Jesus and it was their fault. He stands up for that faith. I need you to understand, this was in a time where people died for doing those things. So you look at all the prophets of the Bible. The prophets of the Bible would come. God would say, hey, I want you to tell them this is what they're doing wrong. They need to repent. The prophets would come. They'd tell all the people, you need to repent. Guess what didn't happen? All the people went, oh, thank you for telling us that. You can go on your way. No, they killed the prophets. They killed Jesus. Peter is taking a bold move in front of everybody and explaining to everyone, it's all about Jesus. You see, we live in a world today where Christianity is perfectly tolerated if it stays in the corner. Christianity is perfectly tolerated if it stays private in your life. But when it comes out, everything changes. What's so interesting is other religions can be talked about. Other religions can give face time because they need to be known about more. But the moment Christianity pops up, it's like, no, 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 no. We can't tolerate that. And I know this, your workplace and your school can so easily turn Christianity into a punching bag. Can so easily t- turn Christianity into something that is to blame for all the world problems. But here's my question, where do you stand or do you stand up? 
Do others know what you believe? What do you say? What do you do when you are challenged about your faith? Now understand this. God's not calling you to be a jerk, but he is calling you to stand up. God is not calling you to be a jerk, but he is calling you to stand up. He's not telling you to yell at everybody and explain to everybody in an awful way, in a rude way, how wrong they are. But he is making sure that you stand up and that people know what you believe and why you believe it. Why? Because at some point, someone's going to want to know. Someone's going to want to know why. It's not being rude. It's being honest. Well, what if they say this? Look, our goal in this life is not to escape persecution. Our goal in this life is to bring as many people as possible to heaven. It's a very different goal. We're not supposed to just be comfortable. We're supposed to be okay with the persecution, with the possibility that someone won't like us for the glory of God and for the chance, for the chance that they may accept him and go to heaven with us. It's much bigger than that. Our faith is not private. It is personal, but it is not private. And here's what we see with Peter too. We have to be prepared to share our faith. Peter did not start off that day thinking, I'm going to do a big miracle. Peter was just going along with his day. It was 3 p.m. What you did at that time was you went to the temple and you prayed. It was a normal day, but he was ready for it. It's kind of like school. It's kind of like studying. If your class, if you went to a class and they said, hey, here's the deal, we're not gonna have any tests or any papers, would you ever study? No, right? Because there's no tests, there's no quizzes. I still remember one time not going to a class for two weeks in college, showing showing up and they're like, all right, we got a pop quiz. I just went, "I, I better get lucky, right? With Christianity, I think we feel that way. I think we feel like the only test is whether or not we believe in Jesus. No, we have tests and quizzes on a regular basis where God puts us in a situation where we have the opportunity to share our faith. That's the test. That's the quiz. Is the moment when someone comes up to us and says, hey, what do you believe? Why do you believe that? What's going on right now in your life? See, what we need to be doing is reading the Bible, praying. Why? To prepare our hearts, prepare our man, minds for what God has for us. Look, I'm not saying you need to know the whole Bible. That's not even true. In fact, what you see in this time is what did they know? They only knew the gospel. They knew that Jesus died. They knew that he rose again. They knew that if we believe in that, we confess our sins, we go to heaven. They were able to reach thousands of people with that simple message in the same way you can do that too. But we've got to stay connected to the power source, which is the Holy Spirit. See, understand this. Just because we have a message doesn't mean we feel like we can give it many times. That's why we got to understand this. The Holy Spirit will empower us to share our faith courageously. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to share our faith courageously. And here's what I say about that. We look at Peter. He has done what? Two big messages where he's called everyone out, where he's told everybody that they killed Jesus. And so we go, well, how? Come on, that's Peter. Look at Peter, though. Did he start out that way? When we look at Peter, was he always bold or did we see a coward when it really needed to be, when he really needed to be the person Jesus wanted him to? He was a coward. When Jesus was sentenced It says in the Bible that Peter, he followed from a distance. Why did he follow from a distance? He didn't want to be 
in with this whole Jesus thing. He wanted to make sure Jesus was Jesus before he said he was a follower. So he stayed behind. He kept his distance. He actually warmed himself by a fire while they were persecuting Jesus. And in three different occasions, he denied Jesus one time to a middle school girl. She goes, hey, I think your accent sounds like that from Galilee. Aren't you with Jesus? And he gets so angry, he literally curses at them, denying Jesus. Peter, in that moment, was not courageous at all. He was a coward. What changed? The Holy Spirit changed. The Holy Spirit changed. See, the reason Peter was able to courageously and boldly share his faith is because the Holy Spirit empowered him in that moment. And some of you are going, okay, that's great. The moment I feel courageous, the moment the Holy Spirit does that, then I will share my faith. That's not the way that it works. See, we don't wait for courage to show up. We speak and the Holy Spirit will give us courage. We're not waiting for the courage to show up. We're not waiting for the boldness to show up. We speak, we take that first step in faith and then the Holy Spirit shows up. Guys, it's like everything else in Christianity. It takes a step of faith. The Holy Spirit shows up when we have faith. Jesus shows up when we have faith. We see God move when we have faith. But we have to take that first step. I'm reminded of my friend Brad when we were in high school, our senior year. Guys, I, I was a pastor's kid, but I, I was on both a basketball team and a volleyball team. And to say that I shared my faith openly would be wrong. I actually look back at that time and I wish I would have done so much more. I didn't realize the influence that I had until... It was too late after guys had said, hey, we just wondered why you didn't invite us. And here's why I say that. My friend Brad, who lived with us our senior year, lived with my family, he gave his life to Christ. And he was so excited. One day of volleyball practice, we were all in a huddle going through uh, the end of practice, all this stuff. Then all of a sudden, Brad blurts out. He goes, I'm getting baptized on Sunday. I want you guys to come. Just blurts it out. Just kind of says it. And everybody kind of looks around. And everybody goes, Okay. Literally, everybody, one person, decides to go to Brad's baptism. I remember that we had an entire, an entire uh, row of people, a whole bunch of guys that had never stepped foot in a church, many that had stepped foot in an incredibly conservative church that they absolutely hated. Remember the music went, it was a contemporary uh, set. You know, we were, it was back when it had just changed from hymns to actually having a band on stage. I remember it was going, and this one kid named Eugene, it, the song was going and he looks at me and right as the moment the song ends, he goes, this is effing awesome. And the F-bomb dropped literally the moment the song ended, but it was great. It was awesome. And here, here's, here's what I want you to know. Eugene still goes to that church to this day. Eugene didn't set foot in a church, but he did when Brad just had a moment of courageous faith. Now Eugene's at that church, his wife is at that church, his kids are at that church. Because in that moment, Brad had courage. Because what happened? God changed his life and he wanted to make sure people knew about it. He wanted to make sure others knew about it. See, that's up to us, right? When God does something in our lives, when we keep it secret, we're keeping God from doing something in somebody else's life. We're keeping God's glory from being shown to others. See, God's done something in our life. We, in the same way as Peter, need to be prepared to share our faith boldly and courageously when it happens. Because we don't know when it's going to happen. It could happen at the beach when we're trying to escape corona. It could happen in the workplace. It could happen on a 
vacation or a time, um, a, a holiday with family, when all of a sudden that family member that you thought never would ask a question about your faith goes, so why do you believe this? And that's the moment where God has entered the picture and we get to share what we believe. Guys, prepare yourself, get ready for what the Holy Spirit could do in your life when you allow him to do it. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that you give us these opportunities. God, I pray right now once again for everything going on, for peace, for healing, God, in this time. God, for clarity. God, I pray for Christians to come together in this time to show a unity that the rest of the world doesn't have. God, I pray that we wouldn't fight and bicker with each other. We come together to serve a common cause. God, we care so much for what you want to do in this world. And we know how much you love us. God, please give us the courage as we step out in faith to do what you've called us to do. God, we thank you for that. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.